welcome to another classic ep of Screen Vomit. I am, of course, your host, Kayla, and I'm here with my twin, Colin. Hello. And we normally, uh, historically, were a podcast that only covered movies that are currently in theaters. However, as we all know, theaters have been closed going on uh, six years now, and... um, (laughs) potentially carrying on into the future for who knows how long so yeah since quarantine we've been doing special eps of um just movies from the last 10 years uh that you can find streaming and we've decided that uh since quarantine is maybe the rest of our lives uh we're just gonna make this who we are now how about that uh we are just people who talk about modern films and that wow. that being anything within the last 10 years and could eventually <laughs> in the future be stuff that's also in theaters but uh looks like we're going to be on streaming for a while so <laughs> yeah are we going to get any good movies VOD like new releases like that uh, Batista movie just came to Amazon Prime Okay, My Spy. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about... Okay, it's the same movie that The Rock was in. It's the same movie. Okay, it's the same thing as Tooth Fairy. It is the same thing as Hulk Hogan's Mr. Nanny. Love it. Uh, been done. Yeah, except now it's actually somebody who is cool. <laughs> Duh. I'm... I, okay, are you going to pay to see it? <laughs> It's on Amazon Prime. I don't have to pay to see it. <laughs> but, um, no, who would pay to see a movie? Only a true maniac. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sick freaks do you take us for? <laughs> We're Stubbs members, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, if only that held any merit anymore. I know. I used Every time, I'm sure I've mentioned on this podcast, when the little clip would run at the movie theater, thank you to our AMC subs members. I would do my due diligence, I would stand up, I would clasp my hands together, shake them about in, in gratitude and ceremony. And, and bow. Say, thank you. Yep. I, I That is me. I am a AMC <laughs> Stubbs A-lister. And everyone clapped. <laughs> everyone cl- as They should. It's like when you're at, like the the orchestra <laughs> and they say this song is for all the veterans and everyone claps it's the same thing except yeah. i don't get as much i deserve more oh my gosh yeah we're totally spoiled by stubs but anyway all that being said this is us now baby take it or leave it it is okay <laughs> so this week we are um fully uh, in depression because we watched the 2011 flick Melancholia. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Which you can see. Does me crying. You can watch it now on Hulu, Tubi, Voodoo, the other apps that have used in them potentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it already. Um, so I'm gonna run through the cast list on this and stuff, but it is a little yeah. a little extensive, so uh, bear with us here. Well, first of all, written and directed by Lars von Trier, who is kind of a notorious director, although I've never seen anything else he's directed. 
Um, yeah, same. But he does have a reputation for creating really devastating, uh, shocking content. <laughs> um, and we'll get more into him uh, later. Yeah. I described him as an auteur to Lindsay. And Lindsay uh, correctly asked me, what's an auteur? And I said, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, and then we looked it up. And uh, it's he's a director that has just a ton of control over set, like a singular vision. Yeah. Um, a Kubrick-type director. Um, we'll get more into that later, because there's actually a whole thing about that. Um, okay. okay, so the cast list for this. We have Kirsten Dunst. Everybody knows who Kirsten Dunst is. Bring it on. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. I think she's most famous for Bring It On. I don't know, though. Are you kidding me? That's where I first really knew her from. Or Virgin uh, Suicides. I, I, mm, that was a good one. Um, all right, who else? Charlotte Gainsbourg, who plays her sister in this movie. Um, she's been in a bunch of Lars von Trier movies. She's in the Snowman Murders movie, famously. <laughs> Have uh, you seen that? Yes. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Uh, they did an episode about it on how did this get made, and this totally... Oh, yeah, Mr. Policeman. I love it. Not one, but two Skarsgårds in this movie. I loved it. Hell yeah. So we got a classic Alexander Skarsgård. My boy from True Blood. He's also in the paparazzi music video, Lady Gaga. (laughs) Ever heard of her? (laughs) And famously in episode two of this podcast, Hummingbird Project. Don't watch the movie. (laughs) When I... No joke. When I saw that he was in this, I said, oh, this movie's, you know, starting at a deficit because it's got this uh, trash bag from the worst movie. Stop. He's a good actor. All right. I'm sure he is. He just ended up in a bad movie. Also, recently we were watching True Blood and he played, uh, he was like trying to deceive somebody to like think he was somebody else in the show. And he played uh-huh. a character that was just like his character on, <laughs> on Hummingbird Project. He's uh, like a two-note man. That's hilarious. Um, all right. So we, uh, along with him, we have his Papa Skarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård. Um, Far superior Skarsgård, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, he plays Kirsten Dunst's boss. Um, he's in the MCU. He plays Eric Selvig in the MCU. He's in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Good Will Hunting, etc., etc. He's been acting for like mm-hmm. 100 years. A lot of old old school actors in this who have been acting since like the 60s. All right, because we also yeah. have John Hurt, who plays her dad uh, in the movie. He's in Snowpiercer. He's in the Harry Potter movies. He's in B for Vendetta. He's been acting since 1962. He's been in everything. Um, yeah. Also, Charlotte Rampling, who I love her. Um, mm-hmm. Plays Kirsten's mom. She's from Dexter, most notoriously to me. Oh, yeah. Um, she's also, I mean, she's been in a hundred million things too. She's also been acting since the sixties. Oh, she's um, in Zardoz. Her very first credit was in The Hard Day's Night. So she's oh. been everything. Um, and then we have, I think, lastly, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, who's in. Oh. You know, Lost Boys, he's in the original yeah. Flatliners, he's in 24. I mean, you know these people, you know. They've been a damn round. Uh-huh. And interestingly, uh, the kid who, the only kid in the movie, uh, is played by actor Cameron Spur, and he's never been in anything else. And uh, the only thing I even found for him online was a piece he wrote last year in his school paper uh, remembering 9-11. So that's just interesting. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> he oh like does not exist online. It's actually a little bit insane. <laughs> oh, you know, I bet he was just like fulfilled some like public audition. I bet Varn Trierzy was just like, get me the most like nobody kid for this role because uh, he has to deliver like two lines. Mm-hmm. He just like, deliver, he mainly like, five has to lines, be cute. <laughs> His last line, though, is devastating. Yeah. And I could not imagine forcing a child to say it. It's all uh, it's all kind of devastating. But I wonder... Yeah. I kind of wonder if he was, like, scarred from working on this movie. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> but, uh, who's to say, really? We, we don't know. Um, yeah. So what's our critic scores here? Cricket scores, I, 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 uh, we're looking at, from the Rotten Tomatoes, we got a 79. Okay. And um, Metacritic is going... Very meta Metacritic in screwing us over by not <laughs> having a score that is far away from Rotten Tomatoes because they have an 80. Uh, and then Google users, our old wildcard, 81. So, like, right in a row. just one, two, three. Everybody yeah. agrees this is an average of an 80% movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Theoretically. Um, all right, yeah, let's watch this trailer real fast and then we'll damn Bingo. get into it. Won't even bother saying how late you are. So sorry, guys. We're only there. Mm -hmm. That was two hours ago. Toast to the bride and the groom. You look glowing today. Never seen you look so happy. I'm thrilled about this wedding, and I know it's costing John a lot of money. It's not about the cost. I thought you really wanted this, but I do. What star is that? The red one. I don't know. What's going on, Justine? It's a planet that has been hiding behind the sun. Now it passes by us. I just have one thing to say. Enjoy it while it lasts. I myself hate marriages. Can we please? Is everyone in your family start raving mad? I smile and I smile and I smile. You're lying to all of us. I'm not really happy. He's going to be a lot different. Yes, Michael, that could have been. Just forget it. Stop dreaming, Justine. What are we excited about? Tomorrow night. That's right. I'm afraid of that stupid planet. And it is not going to hit us. You promise? Life is only on Earth. And not for long. I don't think you know that at all. Sometimes I hate you so much. I'm not to do this the right way. I'm afraid that the planet will hit us anyway. So, um, I guess there's probably a big old chunk of stuff we gotta take care of right up top. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh boy. Yeah, oh boy. Um, so what we found out, or what I found out that I just told Colin about <laughs> uh, when researching this movie is that Lars von Trier, director of this film, is possibly canceled. Yeah, I, I mean, he has a few things that are um, 
what's the word uh what's the section on wikipedia called controversy yeah he's got a few controversial things uh going on first of all like i said i've never seen any of his other movies so i didn't really know this but Mm -hmm. i guess he has a reputation for portraying women in a misogynistic way in his movies um all of his movies feature leading women except for this one i would say Feature leading women who are subjected to terrible things, torture, rape, uh, humiliation, genital disfigurement, like really terrible stuff in um, every single movie he's ever done, I think. He's been called out uh, with Me Too by Bjork, who was in a movie he did in the year 2000 called Dancer in the Dark, uh, saying that he was really sexist and uh he destroys women and um that he whispered vulgar things to her and like touched her a lot and stuff like that mm-hmm. in 2017 uh yeah she me tooed him for that stuff uh nicole kidman has also talked about how he would just uh she'd turn around and he'd just be standing there naked and <laughs> okay She'd have to be like, oh, will you please just put your clothes on so we can shoot the film already or stuff like that. She mm-hmm. kind of more passed it off as like, he's just like a kooky guy, you know, but I mean, I wasn't there, I guess, but that seems pretty inappropriate to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, yeah. Um, and I guess that he has a pretty big reputation for just being really crass and like nasty making terrible jokes that aren't Mm -hmm. funny non-pc he would call it (laughs) oh my god but uh yeah so that's shit that we learned about this director there's a little more that uh kind of more specifically relates to certain things about this movie so i'll kind of say those when they come up but you know Mm -hmm. we didn't know that before coming into this we know it now but at least now we are telling you the listener so you can make your own decision on whether or not to uh watch this movie or any of his other movies i probably won't watch any of his other movies um especially learning about (laughs) some of the stuff that happens in them (laughs) Um, yeah not not into that so um all right all that being said (sighs) okay i would say this movie pretty much Mm -hmm. the definition of an art film Right. I mean, this is art film oh, through yeah. and through. Um, oh, yeah. This is the second film in Von Trier's Depression trilogy. So uh-huh. he made three movies that all star Charlotte Gainsbourg, who plays um, the sister in this one, mm-hmm. and deal with characters who suffer depression or grief in different ways. The director was treated for depression. He also has several phobias. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of him just kind of getting out his own experience, basically. So, I'm just, I'm just gonna have a lot to say right up top. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm, you got the floor. Yeah. Sorry, folks. It's gonna be all me for a second. (laughs) Um, all right. So you kind of brought up that. What did you say? He has like a specific way of doing things or whatever. I called him an auteur. He's, an auteur. He has a lot of control. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually established this thing called the Dogma 95 in 1995 with another Danish director, um, which is mm. a manifesto of filmmaking principles by which directors forego props and lighting, post-production, 
uh, and other technical stuff, sound editing, any other equipment other than handheld cameras um, so that they can create films based on traditional values of story, acting, theme, and yeah, just excluding elaborate special effects or anything like that. Supposedly created as an attempt to take back power for directors as artists as opposed to the studio. So, there are hmm. ten rules in his dogma. Okay. Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I think it's it's yeah. certainly like a vibe. Um, yeah. And he doesn't follow all of these rules in this movie, but apparently there are 35 movies that are listed that these are followed to a T. But Adhere to the dogma of 95. Yeah. But a lot of them are done. Uh, so, number one is shooting must be done on location. Props and sets must not be brought in. Number two, sound must never be produced apart from the images or vice versa. Um, and music must not be used unless it occurs where the scene is being shot. Um, number three, camera must be handheld. Number four, film must be in color. Special lighting is not acceptable. If there's too little light or exposure, the scene must be cut or a single lamp may be attached to the camera. Number five, optical work and filters are forbidden. Number six, the film must not contain superficial action, like murders, weapons, etc. Number seven, temporal and geographical alienation are forbidden. That is to say that the film takes place here and now. Number eight, genre movies are not acceptable. Number nine, oh, eat my butt. <laughs> number nine, it has to be in 35 millimeter. And number 10, the director must not be credited. So that's kind of okay. like the 10 rules. Which, I mean, you can imagine would kind of lead to more of a, like, presence uh, artistically. Yeah. And a very specific style because, yeah, not many uh, movies adhere to even half of those, you know? <laughs> yeah, he definitely has some, like, you can see the influence of that. Mm hmm on this. You know, there are, are more handheld cameras than I thought there would be mm -hmm. uh, in a in a movie about but you know, my going in I was like Lars von Trier, this is going to be very much like the opening sequence of this movie which is very abstract. Yeah. And artful, cinematic in a very captivating way, you know. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie was just kind of normal. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a ton of like digging or like there it, it felt pretty interpretable to me mm -hmm. coherent i guess yeah um i think i get in my head sometimes about art films i'm like okay i'm gonna watch every fucking frame because i'm not gonna be the stupid one that doesn't get it yeah um <laughs> and with this i just felt there's nothing to not get here I feel exactly like. yeah. yeah yeah but it's just definitely like the way things look the way things feel like the specific totally. way that things are shot, the specific lines that come out of people's mouths, like, they all... This movie is so much more about the emotion of everything than it is about oh, totally. the actual things, you know? So, mm -hmm. in that sense, I feel like it really is a piece of art. Like, it's not just totally. any old movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Lindsay finished. She's like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I think it could have used more character development. And I, it kind of stuck with me. I was like, uh, you know, that's true. These characters weren't terribly expounded upon. Um, all of them weren't. And we didn't get some clear definition or, or background for most of them. Mm -hmm. Background-wise, we really do not receive a ton. But 
I, I think hearing that that what you said about the movie is about the emotions mm-hmm. expressed is so good because that's really what it's about. It's not about these characters, which is a very easy thing to go into a movie looking for because it's very standard. It's very tangible. I definitely go into a movie and I'm like, oh, that's a great character. But this is tef- definitely about like what is the the emotion being portrayed, the feeling, the sentiments being portrayed by these they're they're just vessels. Yeah. I mean, this movie, I mean, it's part 2 in the Depression trilogy and I would say that this movie is depression. Like I okay. It is. <laughs> I Okay, did you feel depressed after watching this? Yes. I did not. <laughs> I think I looked at it very almost like academically mm-hmm. and philosophically because I I very much like put myself in a quick summary of the movie. Uh, they're at a wedding and the pl- a planet is coming to crash into Earth. You hear it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So everyone is more or less concerned about like impending doom in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. First half is the, is like the wedding. And I thought, okay, what if, what do I do? I've got, what, a day or two left? I, you know, get with my loved ones and I accept it. And I accept that there is nothing I can do to change it. And that, you know, what follows may follow and what follows may be depressing, but it is a natural reaction to, you know, the stimulus of impending doom. Uh, It just made me feel, I didn't feel depressed. I just felt very intrigued. It just really got my, my gears rolling. I, I, I almost more enjoyed it. Like I had fun watching this movie. Even though there is so much doom and literal doom and gloom going around. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna just get all into that aspect, I'm of so it, sorry. Well, it's kind of, it's uh, kind of jumping to the end, but yeah, I'm sorry. But the director was inspired to write this movie because of when he was in. I said earlier that he was treated for depression. He was like in a mental mm-hmm. hospital. His therapist said that uh, depressives and melancholics act more calmly in violent situations while ordinary, like, quote, ordinary, quote, happy people are more apt to panic. So, in other words, melancholics are ready for calamity. They already know everything is going to hell. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, if anything, it's more comfortable for people who have anxiety, who have depression, to be in this place where things are heightened than to be normal because then neurotypical people are kind of rising to their stasis level of panic and malaise fascinating whereas yeah so then they actually feel calmer in those situations than a person who is neurotypical so what you're describing is basically that i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah i listen folks do am i on antidepressants and see a therapist yeah whatever Um, so just that concept is what inspired actually this whole movie. God, I wish he didn't fucking suck. I know. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> We're sad that he sucks. Um, We're really, oh God, fuck him. But I, I mean, why would you? Yeah. Uh, this movie, as far as, I mean, I was telling Colin before we started recording, I went in such a deep dive hole on (laughs) researching all of this yesterday i spent literally the whole day on the computer um (laughs) but but i also uh, think that's why you got bummed out i could bounce it off of Lindsay. like i'm yeah 
conversing about it. Oh, yeah. I had such a day. I woke up, instantly turned on this movie, first thing in the morning, just woke up, watched this movie, Home Alone, was home alone all day afterwards, yeah, uh, just up. researching all this terrible stuff. Um, so, Yeah, but, um, that makes sense. Yeah, so this movie, though, seems like a standalone in his filmography because... Mm-hmm. It really seems like such a different thing than all of the other stuff he's done. No, I, I get what you mean. I mean, I <laughs> I am aware of two Lars von Trier movies that I have like, oh, I want to see that. And they are the other two movies in the Depression trilogy. Mm. Uh, Antichrist, which came out in 20, 2009, Nymphomaniac, which came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. And as far as both of those go, they're both uh, hypersexual movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm a pervert and I wanted to see some freaking sexy stuff on screen. I know where to, to how to do that, but I was just... I remember seeing the trailers for both of them being fascinated. But this is so... You know, not just because it's lacking the um, hypersexualism of the other two movies, but I think... And I'm basing this off trailers, so if you're a big Trier head, uh, eat my freaking butt. I don't care. <laughs> but the the vibe I got from both of those movies was uh, like a black, just a an endless void, like deep fucking pression. Yeah. This was like a... Melancholia. <laughs> yeah, it's like gray. The melancholy kind of a... parts of depression. Yeah, it's not the harsh hell that depression can be Mm -hmm. it's slower it's just blue yeah even though there's not a lot of blue in this movie but like there is you know the planet's blue yeah just yeah like losing when you lose your motivation like the lethargy Mm -hmm. like perfect yeah yeah so on that note let's get into it (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) this is gonna be a dark one folks um (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the only things I knew about this movie going in, and this has been on my wanting to watch list for like 100 years, the only things I knew was that Kirsten Dunst was in it, and Uh every person that I've ever heard talk about this movie is just like, it's devastating. Like, you have to plan like a day to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not something you can just be like, oh, I'll pop this on, you know? Like, you have to really set a zone for yourself to watch it. Totally. I agree. those were literally the only two things I knew. Oh, and I knew it was, like, something to do with Apocalypse, but I didn't know why or how or anything. That's literally the only... Mm -hmm. I'd never seen a trailer, anything, so... um, Same. (laughs) So, picked this on that alone. I guess, jumping into the very beginning of the movie, (laughs) now that we're, like, 30 minutes into the pod. It happens. (laughs) It does happen. Classic us. You kind of mentioned... The way that this movie opens, we have like eight minutes of just a slow motion sequence of like basically a preview of everything that happens in the movie, but just kind of shot in a more artistic, overly dramatized way. But it's real beautiful, like rich colors, like very dramatic orchestral music, which is actually one of the... (laughs) things that I have to bring up about the director on this music. So like yeah. the music in this movie, it's extremely no- noticeable. It's extremely noticeable. Like mm-hmm. you notice it in the trailer. We just heard it. Um, 
It's very like swelling, orchestral, like big music. It's like mm-hmm. an obvious choice. And it is Wagner's prelude to Tristan and Isolde. Okay. There are some associations between Wagner and Nazism. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Wagner is a little bit controversial. Hitler was a huge yeah. fan of... I actually think it's... What? Wagner. Wagner. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Look, I am American, baby. Um, <laughs> also, I don't know if I should trigger warning Hitler. I don't know. Uh, uh, so Yeah, you might as well. Trigger warning Hitler for the next one minute, probably. <laughs> Hitler was a big fan of Wagner and uh, would play his music at Nazi events, even quoted him at some of his events. And during the Cannes Film Festival, where this movie was being shown... Um, Lars von Trier was asked about choosing this music mm-hmm. for his movie. Um, and he made a bunch of jokes about how calling himself a Nazi, saying he empathized with Hitler, things like this. Uh, and this oh. just kind of goes back into where I said oh. he has a reputation for being non-PC. Yeah. He has apologized for these statements. He, you know has said, oh, clearly Mm -hmm. I'm not a Nazi. I was just telling a joke, which after watching the video myself, which you can find the video of this, it's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of agree that he seemed like he was joking, but it's like not really a funny... Come on, man. Not a funny joke, (laughs) you know? And like the the whole cast was up there with him and they were all obviously like so uncomfortable. um, Doing the collar tugging. Kirsten Dunst leans over and like says she like kind of I don't you can't tell what she says but it's kind of looks like a you know like let's drop this one buddy (laughs) you know like yeah move away from this please let's Um, let's leave here and go watch Spider-Man 2 yeah and then after it's over you hear her say uh Lars that was intense dude (laughs) (laughs) you hear her say it into the mic um but anyway so he made a bunch of jokes about being a Nazi um, hey, great. Which, yeah, love to hear that. Uh, he was also banned for, from the remainder of Cannes for that year. Uh, oh, probably declared a persona non grata by the festival organizers, and it was the first person to be banned in the history of the festival. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> All right. Um, Great. So that's just interesting. Um, like we said, we didn't know any of this shit before. We didn't know. <laughs> so we can't be held accountable for that. Um, and we're doing our diligence and at least acknowledging it here. We do mm-hmm. try not to pick movies that have people we know are baddies in them. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know about this one. So. Is what it is. Is what it is. I already watched it. Yeah. All right. So. In this, like, very dramatic opening scene, we also see Earth collide with another planet. And that's the Mm -hmm. end of that opening, like, over-dramatized thing. We finally hit the title screen, like, eight minutes in. And then we get part one, Justine. Uh, Justine is Kirsten Dunst's character. (laughs) Now we're getting into, like, the real here and now of this movie. So Totally. Basically, the whole movie takes place on one location, this big-ass castle on a golf course. They don't really say where it is, do they? Not Like, globally, we don't know. Right. I think I read that um, Lars von Trier has a phobia of flying. 
like a oh. really intense phobia. So he shoots all of his movies around like Denmark or like so you know play, countries that are like drivable distances to that area. Like he's never been to Amer- he's uh, America. He's never been to America. No. Yeah, never been. He's not missing out. Well, you know I like America sometimes. Oh my oh god. Boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Fucking cancel us already. <laughs> um, so um Anyway, somewhere in America, <laughs> we're assuming, because, wait, no, half of them are British, so, I don't know. Oh, boy. Who knows where the fuck we are? TBH. <laughs> Never acknowledged. Yeah, um. okay. <laughs> that is, ooh. Why is Kirsten Dunst have an American accent? Mm-hmm. Her father, British. Mother, British. Sister, British. I know. I was kind of thinking about that. Um, and I don't have an answer, <laughs> I don't think. I, I bet it's just... We're supposed to just overlook it and be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't. You know what? It does a little bit. It broke my immersion. And you know what? I think Penelope Cruz was actually first had the part that uh, Kirsten Dunst plays. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, second but then fiddle to Penelope Cruz. She had like a, a schedule conflict or something. So. I like Kirsten Dunst better, I guess. Than Penelope Cruz. I'll say that, yeah. I like yeah. Kirsten Dunst better than Penelope Cruz. I can agree, and especially for this part. I feel like Kirsten Dunst totally. did a really good job at it. She also suffers from depression, IRL. Oh. So um, I guess I don't know if Penelope Cruz does or not. I just feel like Kirsten Dunst really did a good job with she this. She rocked. Yeah, she did a great totally. job. Totally. Let's see, what else do we have here? Setting up. We talked about the handheld camera a little bit. Mm-hmm. The style that Von Trier was kind of going for was a clash between, like, romantic, grand, stylized kind of thing, and then also, like, reality, uh, which he hoped to achieve through the handheld camera work. And I feel like we get that. I feel like that really comes through. Yeah. Another thing about this movie is it's almost timeless. How How do you mean? I mean, it could be any time. There's almost no technology in the movie. It doesn't... It's not specifically set in any time, mm-hmm. and it really could be whenever, I feel like. The only technology you see in the whole movie, I think, is one laptop and a printer. You see internet, yeah. Well, they have internet on the laptop, but... Uh, exactly, so it'd be like 2000s and beyond. But yeah, and I think at one point... Excuse uh, me, the internet's been around since the 80s, baby. <laughs> yeah, but since, when did everyone fucking start using it? 90s. Um <laughs> Okay, well, when did, look, when did everyone, like, re, everyone really, anyway. I had internet in the uh, 90s. You were a baby, yeah, you I don't did, know. I I was born in, ni- I remember being on America Online at six years old. Okay, so that would have been the 90s, wouldn't it? Yes! <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not as baby as you think. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I'm not baby. Anyway. Colin's baby. I'm not. Cell phone. That's the other thing they have. <laughs> I. When did they have a cell phone? It's a scene where Justine is off camera, but she's calling uh, Claire, and is Claire's like, "No, get in a cab, get in a cab." Were they on a cell we'll phone or a landline it. then? J- uh, uh, Claire was on a, I don't know what phone Claire was on, but I can't even picture I, it. <laughs> it's a it's a short scene. Whatever it is, I feel like it wasn't noticeable. It was not like no, so often no. in movies that are clearly outdated. You always notice when there's like a cell phone that's like a flip phone or something, you know, oh, like yeah. you just always notice that shit. At least I do. 
Um, and I did totally. not notice whatever phone she was using there. So no, I, I ultimately agree with yeah, you. Yeah. So either everything else was like grand enough to distract from the phone, or it was still relevant or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm being <laughs> I'm being pedantic here. But but ultimately, I I think that was a really cool move because it seems like it's sometime in the future. It's you know maybe totally. near future <laughs> as we love to see. <laughs> Um, but because they've kind of taken away anything high tech, it really, yeah, makes it kind of timeless. Even when they, <laughs> when they're like analyzing how far away is the planet later, their main scientific instrument is a wire ring on a stick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> pretty, like, pretty basic. So many like apocalypse movies where something crazy is happening. They have, like, this elaborate, like, five-monitor computer system and, like, all kinds of stuff going on so that you're just so distracted by the technology that you can't focus on the emotion or the whatever's going on. Totally. We never go to a science lab. We never see the scientists. Right. We only even see that laptop one time. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Definitely. Um, All right, so (laughs) we're popping off with... um, Basically, Alexander Skarsgård and Kirsten Dunst are on their way to their wedding. It's their wedding night. Part one is basically... Yeah. All of part one is their wedding night. Yes. And then the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they're late to their wedding. Classic. By two hours. Or to their wedding reception, at least. And once we get in, I mean... I feel like the whole wedding reception is kind of wild because they're already starting oh my God. to... The, it's it's wild just off the bat because they're starting two hours late. Like, it's all old people there, basically. It's like, <laughs> would you just be sitting around... They sit around the whole rest of the night. I mean, they have all these things planned. Boy, I would have gone home, I tell you that. You'd go home? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, one of my least favorite parts about going to weddings reception is... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the waiting. In between the wedding and the reception, it's like, okay, I got to sit here for like an hour and a half and like do nothing and I'm probably in an outfit that's uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, like um, at least the next well, wedding I go to, I'll be uh, well, take, Kayla? I'll be taking those pics with you. <laughs> uh, just some of them. I literally watching this movie, I told Lindsay, I said, "You know what I want to have at our wedding? More time where where you and I are just away from it." Well, you got to at least, like, pop in and do the, like, hey, everybody, we're here. Ha, 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 ha. Then you can pop out and go away. Because at least nah. then we can get the food going, you know. You're going to wait. Get stuff going gonna on. you're going to like it. Oh, I hate it. It's the worst part. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, I'm not a partier or anything. So it's, yeah. like, everybody else, maybe they get drunk or, like, have a bunch of big wild party time. But, like, I don't drink, <laughs> so. Uh, you have no party time. I have no party time. And usually... People who know me in real life know that uh, I have a whole bunch of food allergies, um, also am vegetarian, so there usually isn't anything I can even eat at weddings, so... (laughs) Yo, Lindsay and I are both vegetarian. You're covered for ours. Yeah, but I also have, like, an onion allergy, which comes into play a lot of the time. (laughs) No, we'll keep an eye on it. I got allergies, too. Nice. So, yeah, so the reception, I'll tell you, sometimes is a stinker for me totally Um. (laughs) this uh this was the most stressful wedding reception since american wedding it was so stressful yeah (laughs) 
there was so much going on and and this part i mean this was like half the movie was this wedding reception and there's like so much going on um so like okay one of the first things that happens is after they get there uh we meet her parents and her dad is stealing all the spoons and like making a big joke about it. He keeps asking the waiter for spoons and like putting all the spoons in his pocket. Like, what's yeah. the deal? He's like a big <laughs> showboat. He loves to be the center of attention. Yeah. And he's always and he's making jokes. And to be honest, stealing the spoons is pretty funny. I thought. Yeah. He calls everyone Betty, which is interesting. Normal boy <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> And uh, you get, like, everybody making their speeches, uh, all the, like, dumb ribbing that happens in movies at wedding speeches. (laughs) Oh, my God. The boss. Yeah. Oh, gee. The boss, man. He's something else. He he straight up gives her a promotion on her wedding day in his speech. And it's... I could not imagine a more uncomfortable time to receive a promotion. Yeah. (laughs) Just nice, but... I'm not going to invite my boss to my wedding. Sorry, No freaking Vicky. way. No freaking way, dude. Then her parents... Well, first of all, we got some old parents representation here. <laughs> OPR. We love it. I mean, I actually looked up their ages because I was like, her parents look like my grandparents. And uh-huh. it turns out they are the age of my grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> They've both got to be in their fucking 80s, right? Well, okay. They do look a little older than they are. Uh, at the time of this movie, the actress who plays her mom was 67, and the okay. actor who plays her dad was 71, and she was okay. 30, or 31, something like that. She's like my age. Uh, how is that going to time out? My parents are both 63, and I'm 27. Wow. So you got old I got, parents. I got medium old parents, yeah. My If my mom was alive, she would uh-huh. be 53. She would have oh, just, wow. just turned 53. And yeah. um, my dad will be turning 58 this year, I think. Don't quote me on that. Look, I don't know my parents that well. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, these are 58, normal. 59, something like that. <laughs> Your parents had you in like their 30s, their mid 30s, right? My normal. parents had me in their 20s. Yeah. My, my mom was my, 22. I was a late baby. An afterthought, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, we got some old parents rep in here. Yeah. Anyway, their parents start a fight in their speeches, which is, oh, classic. Uh, It caused, (laughs) it gave me just chills. I hated it. There was a lot that, like, I hit a nerve with me in this movie. Are you having, Uh, like, paranoia about your own wedding? (laughs) There was paranoia. Yeah, everything. (laughs) Everything I had was. Paranoia. Oh, my God. This and. I'll get to the next one. Oh, for the listeners, Colin is famously engaged currently. Ding, 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 ding. Just in case that nobody knew. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, her dad starts saying something. How does he start his speech? Like, I don't know what I could say without first bringing up your mother. And it's like, what? There's probably a bunch you could say. And then her mother stands up and is like, well, I'm not going to stand for this. Whatever. They have a whole fucking fight right there. The mom is wild and is like, marriage sucks. She straight up pops off. Yeah. Uh, She's like... What the last thing she says like she, is enjoy it while it lasts. She says, "I hate marriages, especially when they involve some of my closest <laughs> family members." 
jeez, <laughs> <like>, ah. mom. <laughs> Slam dunk. So, obviously, this is maybe the first part of this movie, the first incidence that uh, leads towards Kristen having, like, a depressive episode. Yeah. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't be depressed after your mom just stands up at your wedding and is like, fuck this marriage, basically. Yep, yep. (laughs) So she takes the golf cart around the course and pees on the field, I think. Baller move. (laughs) Which is interesting. She ends up leaving her own reception, like, uh, approximately 200 times during the night. It's like... (laughs) She is objectively away from the reception more than she is at it. Yeah, and it makes it seem like the reception is just so long, like... They cut the cake at... The only time frame we get is they cut the cake at 11.30. Yeah. 11.30. And it was daytime when they got there. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Too long. Yeah, so she goes back and forth to the reception all night. Um, At one point, she puts her nephew to bed, and then she ends up falling asleep on the bed. Yeah. And, uh... The sister comes to wake her up, and that's when she really talks about her depression, I think. When she's like, I'm trudging through this gray, wooly yarn, and it's clinging to my legs, and it's really heavy to drag along. That was just, that was painful. There are so many excellent, and it's mainly uh, Kirsten Dunst, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, portrayals of, like, the ways you can get the ways that depression manifests. Yeah. Um, she's just so fucking lethargic. She doesn't want to do... Like, she is at objectively the happiest day of her life. Or like, mm-hmm. what is often told to be the happiest day of your life. Like, this is it. You know, you're marrying the person you love. And she is just, like, couldn't be bothered to give a shit. Yeah. And that's how depression is. I mean, it just hits you. Totally. And you can't really do anything about it. And... That's like one of the roughest things in this first half is that every person around her is laying it on so thick. Like, why aren't mm-hmm. you happy right now? Like, can't you just be happy, basically? You know, like, you promised you wouldn't have an episode tonight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is what her sister says. And then her brother-in-law is like, what does he say? Like, you prom- you made the promise oh to me. You better you keep it- your promise because I spent so much money on this wedding. You'd never believe how much money I spent. And the yeah. promise was that you would be happy. And they're like, oh, I thought you wanted this. Like, I do want this. Like, that's not, <laughs> you know. Or even like There's her just... own husband is like, oh, I bought you this apple orchard. So like, if you have days you feel sad, you can go, you know, be with the apples or whatever. Yeah. And I, doesn't this make you happy? Like, <laughs> everybody's laying it on her so thick it's so she's drowning in it and all of like speaking from experience that is definitely like when you're fucking depressed and when you're like like a thin film is keeping like apathy is keeping you from ending at all level of depression Mm -hmm. and people are like yeah i'll cheer you up let's go see a movie and it's like motherfucker that's not what i want like that's yeah i don't want to be social or happy like putting me it's you can't it's not something you can fake till you make. Right. Um, and like having that pressure put on you and like everybody kind of making it feel like you're ruining their day by like having depression mm-hmm. is, yeah, it just makes it so much worse. Like it, I could just see it on her. Like she just sinking a little bit more and a little bit more Every throughout time. the night. Yeah. And I felt I mean, that. I mean, I've been there, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's why I uh, have been so averse to, like, family Christmases. 
or like yeah. th- things where I hate the expectation of yeah. events. It's like yeah. if you're here, you have to be X X or Y. You know, happy or joyous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, I want the freedom to be fucking sad if I'm gonna have a bad time because yeah. I can't guarantee anywhere I go that I'm gonna have a great time. Right. It's yeah. She's definitely drowning in it. It's it's. It just reminded me of also of uh, like I was in eighth grade. My spring break sucked because I was so fucking sad. Yeah. And I was out of like beach in Florida, and of course I just hated it um, <laughs> because that wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's and the painful thing for me, I just couldn't relate to this because, and I'm very fucking fortunate to be where I am right now with a lot of people who work in mental health or are tangential to mental health or just have knowledge of it. So you know people just fucking talk to you like you're a yeah. goddamn human and don't probe you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what you need. And it, it hurt to watch this and no one, not one person, uh, her sister does the best, but still throws hissy fits mm-hmm. and like storms out of the room, which it is frustrating dealing with people with, with depression. It can be, mm-hmm. but no one has the patience to sit with her and be like, I'm so sorry. This sucks. You're like, it yeah. must be so hard to feel this way on your wedding day. Or even like several times she asks people specifically, or she goes to her mom and says, mom, I'm really scared. I'm feeling terrible. And her mom's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, what else is new, basically? Yeah. Um, or like her, she goes to her dad and she's like, dad, please, I really need to talk to you. Like, I would love if you stay the night here so we can talk tomorrow. Like, I really need to talk to you. And mm-hmm. her dad leaves in the middle of the night or like then there's like a certain point where her and her husband are in the room and he's getting all horny and she's like, will you just like sit here with me? And like, yeah, can I have a we- moment? Yeah. Will you just sit here? And then he like gets all horny all over her and she's like, what, what I need is like, um, I mean, she doesn't say this, but it's clear what she needs is like emotional support and not for somebody totally. to like be horny on top of her, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> time and fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's, I didn't see it like that. But yeah, this moment is all about like, it's not all about, but for me, it brings out just memories of like those times where you're like, I don't want to fucking be here. I'm not being a brat. I'm not Mm -hmm. like whining. I am just not in a good place to fucking be here and no one gets it. It's so lonely. And especially like something like that where it's like, your wedding day like it's something so built up and like planned and everything so it's like not like you can just drop out of your own wedding day you know what i mean yeah so yeah and like everybody's watching you you know like that's just gotta be yeah so horrifying and to look that good in that dress i know i'll tell you it's incredible is it rude to say the boobies were looking great oh (laughs) thank you i've got like six notes about the boobs I mean, they were really kind of like boom, boom, boom out there. I Um. tell you what. Oh, my God. I have had a crush on Kirsten Dunst since Spider-Man came out in 2001. Uh, And to get that payoff. Whom uh, among us has not imagined kissing uh, Kirsten Dunst upside down from. (laughs) (laughs) To get the payoff 19 years later is feels so good to have finally seen her boobs. Mm hmm. Uh, no, she she looked. I I I was like, oh, her boobs are not that big. We see her boobs later. Uh, wink, wink. Yeah, and they are 
They're big. I know. Look, I had literally the same reaction. And I was like, did she maybe get work done or what? Because yeah. I do not remember all this. You know what I'm no. saying? Unless she's just gone through some changes over the years, which I guess, you know, we all do. But, whew. I'm a fan. Uh, I had to take a cold shower on that one. Um. Folks, if you're... <laughs> there, I know there's a lot stopping people from watching this movie. It's kind of long. It's got a creeper director. It's very fucking sad. But... I guarantee it's worth it <laughs> for the boobies. Hey. <laughs> Sorry that we're perverts. Um, <laughs> well, I guess just finishing off that thing about everybody trying to fix her, I thought it was interesting that everybody is trying, the people who are trying something are not trying, you know, therapy, antidepressants maybe? No. Mm, not brought up one time. I just thought that no. was interesting. Ultimately, every one of them is trying to fix themselves. They're try- They're saying, stop making me have a bad time. Yeah. Stop it. They're not actually trying to find out what's going on. No one really probes. Even And if, as like, a person who has depression and has been in this same situation, mm-hmm. like, that's, it was too real for me. I mean, I've I been that, in that yeah. place, like, a lot, especially as when I was younger. And that sucks. Maybe that's why totally. I got so depressed. <laughs> no, I just remembering that, you know, it makes sense. I mean, it yeah. is. I I'm yanking your chain about it being a sad movie. I just it didn't bring out all the sadness in me. It brought, just brought out the more introspection. Um, yeah. But it is a very like got to be in a pretty good place to watch this movie. Yeah, <laughs> you, <laughs> you really can't... have to find a zone. Like you can't just wake up first thing in the morning no. and be at home alone all day and fucking watch this. Yeah, I had a whole day I like I had a whole day before I watched it to get right to like set myself straight. Yeah. Uh, before I watched it. And you were Ugh. with Lindsay. That makes a huge difference. Watch yeah. this with someone. Yeah. We just talked through we, we there's so much to discuss. Yeah. And so many like is this it? Is this it? It I'm so sorry you watched this alone. <laughs> Goo wanted to watch it with me, but our schedules just we never had time together yeah, yeah. to take this big a chunk. Um, all right, so my next note in this was about so Kirsten Dunst's boss oh boy. hires his nephew Tim to, tr- to try and get a tagline out of Kirsten Dunst by the end of the night uh. on her wedding night. One little fun fact here is the advertisement for which he's trying to get the tagline for mm-hmm. is based on an oil painting by Peter Bru... I don't know how you say this. Brugel? Brugel? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know. Titled The Land of Cocaine, which is... Okay. An, uh, it's described as an unflattering portrayal of excess, of excess and spiritual emptiness in a mythical land of plenty. And we see this painting actually in the movie when she's like in their little library part and she changes all the books that are displayed yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, this painting comes up. Uh, it's like one of the ones that she chooses to display there. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a bunch of men sprawled out on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. But uh, it, it's representative of spiritual emptiness when you are in a land of plenty, you know? So. Oh, there it is. Yeah. But that's kind of... Um, just interesting that that the advertisement that she's meant to come up with a tagline for is based off of that so um that whole like side plot is bonkers <laughs> by the way it gets <laughs> very sad to me. all of that yeah very yeah. sad very bonkers 
Um, but going chronologically, mm-hmm. we're still at the wedding night. She, We have the part where her husband's trying to fuck her. Instead of being emotionally supportive, she runs away yeah. from him. Uh, so she runs away from him trying to fuck her and then instantly runs outside and tackles the oh, boss's nephew Tim. and fucks him like instantly on the okay. ground. Okay. This was... That was the other thing that really struck a nerve with me. Yeah. I hate when a bride or groom cheats on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. Really? I have never been cheated on a wedding day. And I don't expect to be, but uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> when that happens in movies or TV, I get very upset. It's like you just made this vow like five minutes ago. You can't. You even... can't wait till tomorrow. You made this vow for the rest of your life, and you got to do this the same night. Are you serious? Come on! <laughs> you got years to do this. <laughs> that at almost every other moment, like. 90 I will I'll say 90% of the movie I'm pretty able to empathize with uh Kristen Dunst's character. Yeah. This time uh uh-uh. Yeah, it's also like um was this you just walking around hard or what because like as soon as she pushes him down she's also fucking him. It's like <laughs> Yeah. What's the deal with him? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure look if you're telling me, we don't have to if get you're, into it. If you if you're walking around a golf course at night and Kirsten Dunst comes up in a wedding dress and pushes you down, you're With not those gonna boink. <laughs> you're telling me you wouldn't? Oh, I would. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Colin, don't be nasty. <laughs> Welcome to uh, uh, horny screen vomit after dark. I don't know. <laughs> Horny vomit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, right after this, though, she also quits her job in a real mm-hmm. epic way, which rocked. That did rule. And then her husband leaves, which sucks ass. Like, okay, you're not even... He, I mean, he basically, like, breaks up with her right then and there. And it's like... It's the same thing. Like, you just made this vow to me for the rest of your life. Like, five minutes ago, you were saying, you're so lucky to, like, be so in love with me and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you're just gonna like leave me when I'm depressed? Um, no, that sucks ass. What, what's yeah, the deal? it was. You got you just bought the apple orchard. Yeah, like thirty minutes later, I was like, "Wait, where did Michael go? Did Skarsgård just dip?" He and, did. Uh, and and I was like, "Did I miss something?" And Lindsay's like, "Yeah, it was just quick." Literally, I'm reading in the Wikipedia summary. It's just uh. He leaves uh, with his parents. Michael departs. Two words. Michael departs. He he has he's going with his parents and he's like, well, yeah. I guess we're leaving, and uh, you know I'll see you around basically. Oh my god! It's like what? It's crazy. More like till death do us uh, fart. Yeah. Speaking of farting, yeah. Uh, not long after this, we get the beans result. <laughs> <laughs> I oh man, this was really fun. There were a couple really laugh out loud moments from. Yeah, me. this, this was, was a good lull. Um. <laughs> So they had had that contest of guess how many beans are in the jar uh. or whatever. And there's, you know, the two men that work in the building or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they're like, oh, we have the beans result. And everybody's <laughs> kind of like, uh, who gives a fuck? Like, this party's over. Killer. Hilarious. <laughs> That's basically all of part one, I think. Yeah. Okay, so we are now at part two, which is the Claire story. Mm-hmm. This is when we first learn about 
Melancholia, the planet that is, mm, I would say, hurtling towards Earth. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Straight up. It's what's blocking Antares. It, uh, according to the lore of the movie, was Mm -hmm. hiding behind the sun, has, like, come around, swung by a few other planets. They think it's going to maybe do what they're calling a, quote, flyby. Um, uh-huh. But scientists are torn on whether or not it will hit Earth. So this is actually going to hit close to home for Kali uh, because it is based on the Nibiru Cataclysm, also known as Planet X. Ringing any bells? Um, Planet X. <laughs> Planet X Records, based in Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, yeah. that <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Planet X? There we go. <laughs> I, I guess it does... Uh, hit close to my where i live yeah so (laughs) so this was like a concept um started mainly at least brought to mainstream in 1995 by a woman named Mm -hmm. nancy leader it is a supposed disastrous encounter between earth and a large planetary object either a collision or a near miss that certain groups believed would take place in the early 21st century so this would also be the same kind of thing that we heard about, like, the Mayans thing in 2012. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the same thing. This oh, cool. Nancy person is just the person who brought it uh, most recently to the mainstream. She mm-hmm. alleges that she was abducted by aliens and then had something in her brain that <laughs> communicated with aliens who told hey, her that this was going to happen. <laughs> so... And as far as, like, the astrophysics of it all goes, the IMDb for this movie is filled to the brim with debunkings of all of their science <laughs> in this <laughs> <Woo>! movie. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. It's not going to happen. So, well, just, like, they're like, oh, well, actually, even if a planet didn't hit, it would, like, affect the gravity and, like, tides so much that we would have like volcanoes erupting yeah. and constant earthquakes and like blah 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 all this stuff so none of the astrophysics is science part of this checks out <laughs> cool 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 <laughs> even if it was behind the sun we'd be able to see it it would actually be I, red like it I just goes on say. and on <laughs> uh yeah you could tell this movie's science wasn't really on track because everything that happened uh as like a result of the planet being near earth i said like oh yeah that checks out <laughs> so you know it's gotta be just dumb dumb wrong yeah so it's all dumb wrong but this movie isn't really about the science you know no. it's about the emotions which some would say is the opposite of science the science um, of our brain nope that's psychology never mind let's get <laughs> cut um, so Justine, who is Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. is now living with Claire, her sister. Um, it's pretty clear that her husband did actually, like, for real leave her on her wedding night, which is, yeah, like, yeah. absolutely insane. <laughs> so she is basically catatonic as a result of that. Yeah. So Claire is doing everything she can to, like, take care of her. And the beginning of this is, like... I mean, it's just so sad, and it's like she can't move. She won't get in the bath. Like, she won't open her eyes, even. Yeah, just total apathy. Yeah, Claire's trying to lift her into the bath, and, like, she can't even lift her legs high enough to get in the bath. Yeah, like, she 
eats uh, her favorite meal, uh, meatloaf, and uh, Justine says it tastes like ash, which is, like, tense. Yeah, and then starts, like, busts out crying. Oh, yeah. We've all cried at a dinner table, though. For sure, especially a family dinner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We'd call that Sunday dinner. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so, um, yeah, it's just real... I mean, it's sad. It's hard to watch. It, yeah. You know. Again, I mean, uh, Kirsten Dunst's performance is uh, so real. It's it's not caricature. It's not like a caricature. It's not overdone and like, oh, I'm crying and moaning. It's like, no, I'm not talking. I'm like, I have so little care for my existence what's the fucking point i just want to yeah. leave me the fuck alone it really um, like like we said like it just feels like depression <laughs> it does it's spot on yeah it's crazy what else happens here the um brother-in-law starts doomsday prepping in secret and uh we see how much that helped him out later on <laughs> yeah yeah uh not at all <laughs> not at all <laughs> Um, he is filthy rich, and it appears as though none of them have jobs, um, and they're all just at home all day, every day. <laughs> is this... Okay, let's get the timeline straight. I thought this is, like, the day after the wedding. I like, feel like it seems like it's been a little bit, like, it okay. maybe a couple days or something, but yeah. this also, even just the second part of this movie, takes place over a couple days, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it might even be longer. We like just two know... Or three days, yeah. For sure, we know that it's at least a couple days. Yeah. Um. But who even knows if those That's... days are in sequence or, you know, totally. whatever. Kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's like this movie is so timeless. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And... I mean, I meant it in a different way earlier, but it still kind of applies. Like, you don't really know how much time is passing. It also doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But also, one could argue, if you're in a depressive state, you also don't know how much time say, is passing. Boom, so. yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so just you that. also don't know what day it is or how much time has passed or who even cares. <laughs> yeah, it's in service to the, to the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Hell yeah. So yeah, we just, I mean, basically we still see like Kirsten Dunst struggling. Um, she ke- They keep going horseback riding and her horse will not cross the bridge into town. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, she starts beating the crap out of the horse to try and get it to cross the bridge. Yeah, this sucked. Yeah, it was it was rough to watch. Not, yeah, didn't love. So we're getting up to the melancholia scare. So like they can yeah. they start to be able to see it uh, really big in the sky, basically. Look tight. Yeah, it did look tight. All the visuals. I mean, everything was just beautiful in this movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. So once it's getting closer, like, the horses are going crazy. There's the one shot where it it looks like there's two moons, like the yellow moon and the blue moon. Yeah, because you see part of Melancholia and you see the moon, our actual moon. It was so cool. And it's, like, it was so wild to me. I was like, like, why is this cooler than what Star Wars did in, like, A New Hope where Luke is looking at two suns? It's like, oh, because this is, like, done, it's framed. This is framed in such a, like, a gorgeous way. You can see the detail in both uh melancholia and the moon yeah and just you know between this movie and that movie this movie had much different intention than that movie did 
It's a good movie, though. <laughs> All right, anyway. And there's, like, one night where Kirsten Dunst leaves the house and her sister follows her and finds her lying yeah. naked on the ground. Uh, yeah, this was, like, one thing I read about how I mentioned the director had a really crass, like, yeah. sense of everything. He allegedly kept calling this the beaver shot and okay. uh, making lots of jokes about how there's more beavers in the river or something. <laughs> Why, man? That's not even good. I know. It's bad. That's, like I said, he likes to be edgy and non-PC, and it's actually That's not, not funny. <laughs> edgy. Or, like, it's just boring and hackneyed. I know. Kristen Dunst was like... By that point, I was so desensitized to like, oh, that's just oh like, God. he just talks like that and <laughs> says shit like that. And I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's the beaver shot. <laughs> Man, I bet Kir- Kirsten Dunst is cool as hell. Hell yeah, I bet she is. I wish I knew on the pod. more about her. Yeah. Kirsten, if you're listening, uh, hit us up. Come on the pod. Anytime, baby. Yep. Uh, also, sorry for talking about your bazungas earlier. I am so sorry. We would never talk about them to your face. Unless never. you wanted us to. Oh! <laughs> um, so, so that was just, yeah. I mean, she's feeling herself. That's cool. Um, yep. Next scene, sister on the computer. This is the one scene with the computer. And she puts into a search engine death, which we love to just Google death. <laughs> Um, and then the power goes out, and I'm like, uh-oh, is this into the forest or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the power goes out. Kiefer yeah. Sutherland, like, he's just trying to, like... Placate her? Not... Yes, like, he himself knows that there is a chance the planet can hit, but mm-hmm. he doesn't want other people, her to stress out, so he's just like, nope, there's no way. Everyone who says that it's going to hit, they're bonkers. They're dum-dums. Yeah. No way the planet's going to hit. Uh, us which like i don't know has its time and place but it's not yeah yeah but there's also something to be said for being able to prepare for something like that totally rather yeah. than not only have it be sprung on you but then also to find out that your husband was lying to you at the same time uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah it, it sucks it's a lot it's it's bad it's wrong he's the wrong one mm-hmm. so yeah this whole time he's been saying there's no way there's no way there's no way so the sister I mean, this is why she's so, like, skeptical, because she kind of probably feels that some there maybe is a chance, you know? Yeah. So that's why she's Googling about it. She goes to talk to Justine about it, Kirsten Dunn's character, mm-hmm. and is like, basically, what do you think? Like, my husband keeps saying that it's not going to happen, but I don't know. And um, Kirsten Dunn's is kind of like, Earth is evil. Life on Earth is evil. And nobody's going to be sad mm. if their world ends Nobody's going to miss us. It sucks here, basically. A, Earth is not evil. B, life on Earth is not evil. And D, what I was C, if everyone dies, doy, no one's going to be sad for us. <laughs> well, I think she meant just like, because she was saying like, there's no other, there's no other life. life and-, and if there was, they wouldn't miss us. Uh, again, yeah, doy. Doy. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, do you believe in aliens or not? Oh, I think I I can't disprove it. I I believe that there probably is other life out there. There's got to be aliens. It's like fucking infinite. Yeah. Um, I took a class in college called Search for Life in the Universe, uh, which I thought was going to be cool, but instead we just studied like 
what it actually takes for like a living being to exist. Oh boy! It's like, oh, are you a carbon-based life form or a silicon-based life life form? And it's like this sucks. <laughs> uh, this sucks. sucks. Where's the aliens? Yeah, uh, no joke. <laughs> so, like, yes, I definitely believe that there is shit out there. Additionally, believe that we will never, if we have made contact, the government's hiding it for sure. Mm-hmm. Did they confirm though? Yes, they did confirm. Yeah. So there's life out there. For sure. Yeah. I don't know if we will be allowed to really know about it in our lifetimes. I don't think so either, yeah. Hopefully somebody in somebody's lifetime. <laughs> I hope something cool comes from it. I mean, we've been we've had so much good sci-fi with like yeah. alien with alien life forms. Something cool's got to happen. I've been watching so much Star Trek. I mean, I got high hopes. Nerd alert over For here. everything. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Kristen Dunst also in this scene is talking about how she knows things, kind of implying that she has yeah. a little bit of like a psych- psychic ability. Um, she recalls the exact number of beans that were in the bean jar previously <laughs> mentioned, aforementioned bean jar. 678. Yeah, I wrote it down too. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kind of uses that knowledge to prove like, I just know things sometimes. And I kind of was thinking here, do you think then that the beginning of this movie was her visions of the future? I thought that could be it. But additionally, I was so angry that like her proof for having psychic ability was the B number (laughs) that I was just like, fuck you. No, you don't. You can't just say one bean related thing and be like, yeah, I can (laughs) see all the future. That's what I did. <laughs> so, no, I, I bean facts. <laughs> I think it makes sense. I think it I'm like thinking about those beans. You're always thinking about those. You're always thinking about know. that guy thinking about those beans. That's probably my favorite meme of all time. <laughs> I went really far with it. <laughs> oh, I get it. It's. I mean, it is incredible. Anytime I see it, I think of you. I know a lot of people do. I get tagged in bean shit all the time online. <laughs> and honestly, I love it. Um, <laughs> actually, former guest on the pod, Paul, bought me a shirt mm-hmm. for my birthday that said, I'm thinking about those beans and has a <laughs> can of beans on it. <laughs> I still wear it. That was like from a few years ago. You like love. beans? I do like beans. Actually, I love beans. Uh, unrelated to the fucking meme, but, you know, longtime listeners will recall uh, one layer of the onion from a while back um, where I mentioned that I spent every summer growing up on a farm in Mississippi. And uh-huh. um, whenever I was coming down, my family would famously pick tons of extra beans of all types beans and peas of all types because they knew i was the bean boy um my god (laughs) because i would eat so many beans and peas (laughs) all types what you got lima beans butter beans you like lima black eyed peas i'm from the freaking south dude of course i like limas those are the worst ones nah i mean the ones you get fresh off a farm versus what you get in from like a can or whatever. Yeah, I, also, I can imagine that's the difference. Get, yeah, the difference is astronomical. Hey, we what? gotta stop stop talking about those beans. <laughs> we gotta stop talking about those beans. Okay, I mean we are we're getting through this movie, guys. We really are. So 
yada 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 Kirsten Dunst's <laughs> psychic whatever she basically is saying that yes it's going to hit earth and we are going to die and there's nothing we yeah. can do the sister then doesn't know who to believe or what's going on they were watching the planet one morning so it's like they have this wire on the stick to tell if mm. it's getting closer or farther away which is goofy so it starts getting closer then it goes farther away and the husband's then like let's toast to life yeah and that's the moment when she realizes oh you weren't actually sure and you've kind of been lying to me this whole time and so she has like a panic attack but then the planet's getting smaller everybody thinks everything's fine but Mm -hmm. next morning here it is getting bigger again and suddenly she can't find her husband because her husband's been up earlier than she was and he knows also that it's getting bigger so she had bought some kind of pills that are like yeah. to kill herself with or yeah. something it's not uh <laughs> yeah not explicit yeah so we don't really know what the pills are just that she bought them and it's implied that they're to kill herself with yeah which is <laughs> insane In but case. um so she can't find her husband. She is looking everywhere. Then she notices the pills are missing. And then she asks Kristen Dunst if she's seen her husband. And she says, no, but I was just listening. And it seems like the horses have calmed down because the horses have been going bonkers for days. Yeah. So she's like, oh, fuck the horses. Then she goes in the stables and mm-hmm. there he is. Um, I don't know why ding, ding, ding. that calmed the horses down. They love a human presence. <laughs> I love a dead corpse to calm me down. Just um, <laughs> whatever kind. Yeah, they're not picky. So she sets the one horse free. But even the horse doesn't ever leave the property. Nobody ever leaves this property. None of the main people do. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. So, yeah, I mean, she's basically realized that the planet's getting bigger and bigger. And it's kind of, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to crash into Earth. Um, she's obviously losing her GD mind. I mean, it's really sad because she has this little boy who we've actually not barely even talked about. <laughs> He's, I mean, we talked about him as much as he is present in the movie, which is yeah. to say not very. He's not very present. I mean, his character in the movie only serves to be heartbreaking. I mean, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because like he's sad that his aunt is sad at first for a long time. The whole movie, he's begging her to... Like, what does he call her? Anti-steelbreaker? Steelbreaker. Like, when are we going to build that cave we've been talking yeah. about? And she's just so depressed she can barely even move. So that alone is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. It was... <clears throat> and then, like, when it turns into, like, the world's going to end and the sister is like, what about my son who's just, like, a little kid and now he's not going to have a future and blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. then that's heartbreaking. And yeah. when she like she like scoops him up from breakfast, he's like in the middle of eating his pancakes. I mean, he's oblivious, which is heartbreaking. And yeah. then <laughs> she just like scoops him up. She's all terrified, trying all the cars. None of the cars are working, um, but the golf cart works, but only for uh, a short amount of time. Yeah, dies on the same bridge that the horses won't cross. Oh. And uh, I'm like feeling so bad for this kid because. She truly is just, like, flopping his body all around. I know. He's getting thrown around, and his mom <laughs> is having is going insane and yeah. not telling him why. Yeah. 
And like, what's she going to do? You know, like, you can't go Where anywhere. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Drive off flat earth or what? <laughs> yeah. uh, look, obviously, it's like, uh, it's just like. She's just losing you'd it. You'd go crazy. Yeah. You'd lose it if you found out that the earth was going to blow up like that. Yeah. Tons of people would go cuckoo bananas. So like. Not cuckoo it, bananas. <laughs> yeah and like it she's just tossing this little kid around the cart dies so she just grabs him and she's just like running around with his body like flapping around everywhere and he just takes it yeah and they've already mentioned that it's cold outside and he's just like in his pajamas <laughs> and it's hailing yeah. and then now they've also left the golf cart so she they're just like sitting in the field while it's hailing on them in the cold for a while <laughs> But eventually they do, she gets back to the house uh-huh. at some point. Uh, also, another thing is like through the beginning of the movie, uh, the brother-in-law hammered in a whole bunch that there's only 18 holes on this golf yeah. course. Um, but when she gets back to the house, we see hole 19. And according oh. to the director, this is limbo. Oh. oh, oh, oh. So then she really is kind of like, trying to plan out what she wants her end of the world to look like yeah you know and, yeah and sits with kirsten and is like um let's have a glass of wine and like have a song or whatever <laughs> and kirsten just says i think your plan is a piece of shit rude <laughs> which you gotta love there yeah you know going back to what i said at the beginning when we were talking about kind of what inspired this whole movie that line yeah. from the therapist about how depressives get more and more calm and lucid in in uh stressful and crazy situations you see that happening here i mean kirsten the more and more that like it is inevitable and obvious that the world is going to end and everyone else is like all the you know quote normal people are like freaking out you do see her like having a great time she's sitting there she's chilling you know she took a bath that day <laughs> oh my god of her own accord now, that's so wild i'm just thinking back to, of like all of like the most chaotic uncertain times in my life and i've in the moment was just like calm as fuck yeah like got fired from my job i remember i just like oh i'm gonna go get a six pack and uh lunch then and just have a nice day then i, I don't have to work so let's go have a nice day yeah there was like a line in this movie drugstore cowboy i don't know why this has always stuck with me something to the effect of like the big things I can handle, you know, the the breakups, yeah. like the terrible, awful things I can handle. It's the broken shoelaces that have got me hooked, which totally. meaning like it's the little things that send us into a tizzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The huge catastrophic things we can, for whatever reason, handle with some kind of grace. Yeah. Huh. It doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe it does in some kind of way, but... We're always prepping ourselves for catastrophe, at least in my manifestation of it. You know, just going back to that same quote from the psychiatrist, um, Mm -hmm. melancholics already know that everything's going to hell. So when it is going to hell... (laughs) I've been picturing this since the day I was born. Yeah, this tracks. This is what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> That's why I always feel like I'm going to make it okay in the apocalypse. I mean, I know I'll die. Also because of our huge muscles. <laughs> that too, that too. I've been prepping in a different way at the gym. All right, so then we're getting real sad with the kid here. This was when, rough, yeah. Yeah, because he's just scared and like, what do you do? And this is like, 
really the first time that you see Kirsten Dunst, like, I don't know if like the first time, but you see her break. Since the start of the movie. For the first, yeah, yeah, for the first time in a long time, where she's been calm ever since things have been chaotic. But, you Mm -hmm. know, the kid is like, he's really scared and like, there's really nothing you can do about that. So um, she tells him they're going to build the magic cave. So they get a bunch of sticks and make like a little makeshift teepee in the yard. Yeah, yeah. And chill there, basically while the planet comes and crashes in. Till the world ends, yeah. That last shot, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. just gorgeous. I don't. There's nothing more beautiful than that. It's really gorgeous. I I straight up thought. Uh, Kirsten Dunst was gonna kill the kid. Yeah. To like, yeah, like spare him. Yeah, I thought about that too. Or like, at least like maybe they would poison him or something. But no, they just she told him it's not going. We're gonna be safe in the magic cave, mm-hmm. and you have, you just have to close your eyes. And you know that's a pretty solid way too. If the kid's gonna adhere to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't have an answer. I don't have the right answer. There is no right answer to prep a kid for the end of the world. Yeah. Just sad. I mean, that was yeah. it. and i was thinking like i mean if you knew that was going to happen i feel like the last place i would want to be would be in my front yard like outside i thought so too (laughs) i I was like wouldn't you want to i don't know is it better being outdoors is it better being because indoors maybe some glass is gonna hit you uh you're gonna die instantly in this scenario uh, yeah There's no, like, suffering going to happen. The whole earth is crushing in, you know? Here's here's what I... Here's a little... Because um, we see it at the start of the movie, and obviously the science in this movie is uh, uh, doo-doo bunk, as we know, but <laughs> melancholia is bigger than earth. At least that, I think that's how it's shown. So if earth hits melancholia and, like, you know, one half of earth is just destroyed but uh, the other half seemed relatively round um were people alive did people did does anyone survive that on earth i would have to imagine and look we are not astrophysicists we basically or scientists are in any way i actually am friends with an astrophysicist should have asked her on the pod. Did not. Yeah. I think if you crush off half of Earth, you're going to fuck up all kinds of shit, including gravity, oh, including yeah, yeah. like Earth's rotational whatever yeah. thing that happens. Um, Earth will be probably. Like tidal waves. Well, what I imagine would happen would it would probably like start spinning around like crazy until everybody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like shooting through space at like crazy speeds, maybe light on fire anyway. So, so ideally, you're on the side of Earth that gets crushed. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I mean, either way, I feel like you're going to die pretty fast. Just one way might yeah. be a little more scary than the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's roll creds for this cred. flick. And the beginning of the credits are dead silent after the end of the movie was the huge swelling orchestral music I mean that music really played such a part in this totally, movie totally it, it was, made the scenes yeah I mean it was awesome yeah. uh, you know despite the uh, despite uh, I, I did a quick there. Wikipedia on Wagner uh-huh. uh, the composer and he has a whole section uh, titled anti-semitism so you know he's yeah he's a <laughs> oh, boy. yeah so um yeah. Uh, not, great. <laughs> not great. Not great. 
but the music is pretty. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, what what else is there to say about it? Anything? Should we go straight into um, ratings? Yeah, it's it's just it gives you. I mean, like if you wa- watch it, if you're going to watch it, watch it intently. I mean, it's just there's so much here to chew on. You know yeah. what I I think what I was perplexed by was that I wasn't sad when the world ended in the, in the, at the end of the movie. I was just like, I, I have so many questions about how I would handle this and how, why did they handle this this way? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. The actual, like the act of the world ending is not what made me sad about this movie. Yeah, exactly. Besides that you felt sad for the kid, I guess. Yeah. Just, yeah. Watching Kirsten Dunst's character. And totally. Just her personification of that state was the depressing part to me. I feel like, yeah, and no, the way right. the ways that other people reacted to her being mm-hmm. in that state as well. Yeah, the fact that the world was ending did nothing <laughs> to me. Who gives a who gives <laughs> a who? give a shit less? <laughs> Freaking C plus planet anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Earth's all right. Yeah, I don't know. Never been any other planets, so I, really I haven't say. either. But. You know, Earth as a objective, I like it. It's the one we got. You know, it's like an old clunker <laughs> that you drive. <laughs> old steady Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's go. What do you rate this out of five? This gets a four out of me. This is, uh, it's hard uh, now knowing what I know about the director and, yeah, just that. Um, but, yeah. Uh, if I had to remove, you know, and when I watched it, I was removed from that information. Yeah. Um, Same. Four four stars. It was in, I had so much fun watching this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go four and a half, I think. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, same, like it's hard to say with the director. I think I for sure wouldn't watch anything else of his. Like I said at the beginning, like this seems to be a standalone kind of movie in his filmography. In that yeah. it's not horrible to women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, besides being a little emotionally uncaring towards her, uh, you know, she she's not raped. Like, she's not, she doesn't have her clit chopped off or her nipples, <laughs> which are things no. that happen in his other movies. Um, <laughs> so uh, I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was really beautiful. I mean, it's, it's really good. And there aren't many movies that can evoke such and such emotion. Um, yeah. It really captured something here. And it was, it was, I mean, a freaking piece of art in my totally. opinion. Um, uh, what's next? <laughs> That's, uh, I, I recommend you watch this movie. Now it's time for a screen <laughs> after dark. Yeah. I also recommend this movie. <laughs> now it's time for screen vomit. What the F have you been watching? I had a freaking boys weekend. Lindsay was out of town. So I had the whole TV to myself (laughs) to choose the shows. (laughs) Uh, I really, I watched uh, two new things. I watched um, The Hunt, which came out in 2020. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of it. How was it? I loved it. Really? I had a really fun time with it. It's been on my list. It's fun. It show, it, it just really depicts, uh, liberals as snooty and like 
it, I think it, it skewers them really well. It, it It's basically just like they are hunting Trump supporters. It's pretty like explicit in that. Yeah. You know, they don't, I don't think they say Trump, but like they are hunting conservatives, like redneck yeah. conservatives. Um, that, I remember that movie was supposed to come out basically right at the same time that the theaters shut down. Yeah. And it had been on my list for forever. I really wanted to see it. And it's, it's got, fun. what's that guy's name in it? Ike? Ike Barinholtz. Yeah. He's been in a yeah. bunch of political stuff here lately. He has. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend worth. it's worth watching. It's, blo- you know, it's bloody in all the fun ways. And then I think this the skewering is like, it's not the hottest takes in the world or anything, but it's like, yeah, f- like finally, uh, it's nice to, it's refreshing to see something like this come out of Hollywood that's finally like holding the mirror up and not just like masturbatory to liberals. <laughs> Maybe um, one day we'll uh, do it on the pod. <laughs> that'd be fun. I'd do it. Um, and then I watched uh, an old uh, 80s horror called Hide and Go Shriek, which... Nice. <laughs> was fine and it has a, a classic 80s trope wherein uh, the killer is killing because he's crazy because he's uh, gay and maybe into SM. Oh sick love that. Yeah just classic like um oh what's it called sleepaway camp. Yeah. Yeah just the h- hilarious trope of that being the reason. <laughs> Five stars. Uh, what did you watch? <laughs> Um, I started watching a new show. So I finished Politician, which was good. I love that show. Um, So I started a new show that (laughs) one might say is equally as devastating as the movie that we watched. So I've been having a whole time of this last week. (laughs) What are you doing to yourself? (laughs) Um, So this show is called I Know This Much Is True. Mm -hmm. It's on HBO. It has Mark Ruffalo playing twins. It also has Juliette Lewis, who we love. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he plays twins. Okay. It's set in '89, and um, one of the brothers has schizophrenia, and uh, so he's doing a lot of like taking care of his brother. Like one of the first things that happens is his brother chops his own hand off <laughs> in a library. <laughs> uh So yeah, it you know goes from there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much I want to say without giving anything away. I'm not that far into it also. I'm only a couple episodes in, but it's really, really good. Like, every episode is produced like a movie. Like, it just seems like every episode you're watching a movie. Really good show, but very sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Very sad. (laughs) Would recommend. It's on HBO. So, that's what I've been watching. Um, Any more thoughts for today? I'm I'm wiped. Yeah, this is a long one and an emotional damn roller coaster, mainly going downhill. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed this film. The next movie that we're doing is called The Other Lamb. It looks really good. We have a special guest for that episode. I'm really excited about. Yeah, so tune in next week for that. And mm-hmm. until then, uh, we want to thank Thin Swimmer for our theme song. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd, all the things, at Screen Vomit, one word, everywhere. We're also now on Spotify. Um, Mm -hmm. Send us an email or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest movies. And our email is screenvomitpod at gmail.com. And leave leave us a little review on your app. 
that's just a nice thing to do that's it for us folks yeah thanks Bye. bye Bow, bow, tick, tick, bow, bow, tick, tick, I am back. Bow, bow. Hello? Well, folks, it's just you and me again. This is Colin, solo, on screen vomit. Today, we are talking about uh, how much better I am at doing, uh handstands than grandma. Grandma can't do- Oh, Pogo. I bet I could out-Pogo the fuck out of Kayla. They wouldn't stand a chance. Who wouldn't? Pogo. Ah! <laughs>